0: and welcome to Show and Tell with Christopher Biggins. This is the podcast where I invite one of my friends to show off three things that tell a story from their lives. I've got all sorts of things in my house and each of them have their own special place in my heart. So in this podcast, I'll ask my guests to show off their most prized possessions and take me through the stories of why they mean so much. So without further delay, it's time to welcome our next show. Show and teller, Bonnie Langford. Bonnie Langford is an actress, dancer, and singer who came to prominence as a child star in the 1970s for her role in the TV series Just William. In the 1980s, she played companion Mel Bush in Doctor Who. Her West End credits include Spamalot, Chicago, Guys and Dolls, 42nd Street, and Nine to Five the Musical. And in recent years, she starred in EastEnders as Carmel. Hello, Bonnie, darling. How are you?
1: I'm all right, thank you, darling. How are you?
0: Very well, indeed, thank you. Very well. Getting there, as they say. Now, tell me, can you remember when, when we first met?
1: I do. I, I can remember quite vividly, actually, because... <laughs> and I know you can as well, <laughs> because uh, my... my Yeah, my eldest sister, Sharida, was uh, playing principal girl... With you in Darlington Civic Theatre. Isn't it the Civic Theatre? And uh, she, uh, ca- she came home for Christmas Day, and then my father and mother and I drove her and one of the other girls in the show back up to Darlington to see the matinee on Boxing Day. It was quite eventful. The girl in the back was sick all the way to keep stopping. She kept throwing up. My father was very calm but was quite stressed. We then got to Darlington, dropped off my sister to do the show, and there was absolutely not a single, even a corner shop or a petrol station open, and we couldn't find anything to eat, and you tried to arrange for us to go to the hotel where you were staying to have Christmas lunch, but because it was like a whole sort of afternoon thing, we couldn't wait, and so we came to see you, and we sat in the box and basically stuffed our faces with ice cream and crisps because that was the only thing we could eat. And what was even more stressful was the fact that Boxing Day was actually my father's birthday, so he spent his birthday driving hundreds of miles up and back to Darlington, starving to death, and watching a pantomime, and that's when we met. <laughs>
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, Don Don was such a good guy, wasn't he?
1: He was a good guy. He didn't complain about anything. But I don't think he was too happy that day.
0: <laughs> no, I'm sure he wasn't. But I, I remember that day vividly, too. Because, of course, you were such a big star at that time. I mean, you know, you... You were amazing you were on television it was very exciting to meet you that was how many years ago was it 40
1: I can't believe that oh well only about only about 10 uh,
0: Yeah 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 yeah
1: yeah 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 uh, <laughs> I was 12 Now
0: I for this podcast I've asked you to prepare three things Do you mm-hmm. have them ready uh,
1: Yes Sounds like a test. You feel a bit pressured? Felt a bit like mastermind. Do you know what is your specialist subject? Why are you here? I don't know.
0: (laughs) Well, anyway, through our conversations, we're going to learn a lot more about you as you share the stories of your three items. Now, for each thing, I'm going to ask you for some clues as to what it is. So me and anyone listening can guess what that might be. So uh, here. I want, I'd like you to ask me to give three clues on your first item.
1: Uh, one of the great American musicals.
0: Right. Uh, I'm going to think it might be Gypsy.
1: Correct. Um, <laughs> correct. Uh, something you hang on... some uh, A form of correspondence.
0: Right. It's a letter... I would say, because I, I know your career so well, I would think, and I know you're in Gypsy, and I think it might be a letter from Angela Lansbury.
1: Wrong. Pa- par- partly wrong. Uh, partly right and partly wrong. It is a letter, but it is not from Angela Lansbury, who played Mama Rose opposite me. A real-life person. Is it from Stephen Sondheim? No. A real-life person, the character that I played.
0: Ah! So it was, I uh, uh, I know exactly, I've got to think now. So you, you played Gypsy Rose, Lee, as a girl. No,
1: I played Baby June.
0: So it was Baby June? Yes. How amazing.
1: From June Havoc. And so what happened was I was in Gypsy as a child at, um, do you get a prize? Is it just that I have to pick <laughs> I don't understand how this works. <laughs> Here we are. So I, as a child, I, as a child, um, played Baby June in Gypsy at the age of eight. And it was at the Piccadilly Theatre in London with Angela Lansbury, as you know. And she played Mama Rose and I played Baby June. And it was directed by the writer, Arthur Lawrence. And Julie Stein uh, wrote the music, Stephen Sondheim wrote the lyrics and they were all there and they were all part of the creative team. So it was actually a phenomenal creative team to be part of especially at the age of eight um just incredible i only played the part for six weeks in the west end because that's how long children were allowed to uh do any kind of acting performing of any nature we were all um restricted so that worked out about six weeks i did the first six weeks of the production and then another little girl in fact a whole team took over um What I didn't realise was that on my last performance, the producers were there and had asked my parents if they would consider me going to America with the show. To cut an extremely long and convoluted story short, I did go to America with the show for a year with my mother as my chaperone. And um, we did 14 different cities on a tour, national tour, with Angela playing uh, Mama Rose. And we ended up on Broadway at the Winter Garden Theatre for about five months. Um, During that time... Uh, June Havoc, who was Baby June, the, the show. The show is based on the life of um, the early life of, of Gypsy Rose Lee and her sister and her mom and her. You know how she got to become this famous burlesque star. However, there's a whole sort of seri- a whole story at the beginning where um, you know a Baby June June Havoc was this huge Fordville star. At the at the tech, well, she doesn't know how old she was because her mother took, got rid of her um, birth certificate. because She used to lie about her age because she didn't want her to get older. Anyway, um, June Havoc didn't actually like the show; had never liked the show because she felt it didn't reflect her very well. It wasn't necessarily truthful because ultimately it was called a musical fable. It was based on truth, um, but however, it was taking parts of her life, and she felt that they represented her. I don't know, misinterpreted her or something. And she also always felt that the the that they didn't reflect actually how famous and how clever she was as a child because she told me she was earning fifteen hundred dollars a week. Now we're talking in the twenties, nineteen twenties. That was a lot of money. And she had to do a twenty minute act. She had to do a twenty minute act and hold the audience. And she was a she was a huge huge star. Anyway, she came to see it because she was great friends with Angela. And she loved our version. And afterwards, she wrote me a letter. And this is the letter that I have in the frame. And it says, it says um, here we go, December 29th, 1974. Dear Bonnie Langford, just a tiny note to tell you how enchanted I was with your many faceted performance. You bring a new dimension to the play, which I found quite unexpected. And I most sincerely hope you continue to achieve and grow in your career and life. Please accept this little memento. I used to give them away to the audience at kiddie receptions when I was about six or seven years old, and I hope you might be amused to have one. All warmest best wishes, June Havoc. Which I just think is the most glorious letter because it doesn't just go, oh, you were great. It says so many things. And then what she sent me as well, which I found this morning, I don't keep this up, it was a little, it's basically a badge. But it has a mirror on the back, and it has a photograph of her as Dainty June, Dainty June Hovick, and it says underneath Orpheum Theatre, Seattle, and it is a picture of her as Baby June, and that was the memento that she gave me. I don't know; it just meant so much because, it, it, you know, not only was I absolutely honoured to be part of this show, taken to America. But I met the person I was playing.
0: I know, extraordinary. And a person
1: who wasn't necessarily that thrilled with it and and took the time to write this. I mean, I was only ten at the time. Anyway. And then what was extraordinary was that many years later, and you'll know this because you were on it, um, they did my This Is Your Life on Thames Television. And um, you came on dressed as a Boy Scout. (laughs) Do you remember that? I I do. (laughs) Do you you remember... (laughs) 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 Yeah, I was doing Peter Pan the musical at the time in the West End. And um, yes, they came and got me there and they did this thing and they brought on June Havoc. They flew her over from America as my sort of star guest. And she was incredible. I mean, this woman, this amazing woman who went through this unbelievable life uh, had flown over to London. She came to see Peter Pan the next day. And I went out for dinner with her and I said to her and her companion who, you know, she was staying another day and I said, what do you have planned for tomorrow? Are you sightseeing? I mean, what what are you doing? They gave, they had a car at her disposal and she went, oh, I'm going to whopping. <laughs> and I said, well, sorry, she said, I, I'm going, I'm going to whopping. I said, why, why, why are you going to whopping? And she said, I, I believe there is a Doctor Who shop there. At which point I also <laughs> fell off my chair and said, why would you be going to a Doctor Who shop? Oh, I love Doctor Who. At which point I turned around and I said, well, you'll never guess what my next job is. She said, no, nope, Barney, tell. And I said, I'm going to play the assistant in Doctor Who. So it was just this madness of my life that of all, I mean... She could have been saying she was going to Buckingham Palace to meet the Queen, but no, she said, "I'm going to the Doctor Who shop in Wapping to get some memorabilia for Doctor Who." And not only that, I that was the next job I was going to do. It was like, honestly, this is this is crazy and wonderful. So I have this letter, and it brings back so many memories. And it, it you know, from someone who had such a life. My goodness, did this lady have a life? She not only was when what. Oh, when she ran away, because so she was in, she was at this famous child star. And um, at about, well, she's not sure how old she was, about 14, 13, 14, she ran away from her mum and the act and everything. She eloped with one of the boys and she went off and she became a marathon dancer, nearly died because they would do these. I mean, there's the, the 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 film and the play they shoot horses, don't they? Is based on marathon dancing, and she was this incredible marathon dancer. How she was still alive, I don't know. And she, but she did that in order to survive. They would give them a five minute break every hour, and um, literally they would die. They'd have to dance for weeks, 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 weeks on end, never sleep, in order just to just to get some money to win the prize money and to live. And, um, uh, and so she survived that. Then she became this actress, this wonderful Hollywood actress. Then she got affected by the whole McCarthy um, in, uh, era where they, they, they decided she was a communist just because she had a slightly Russian name. And yet through all of it, she became a Tony Award winner. And I think she was the first woman to win a Tony Award as a director. She gave me. She's written three books that are amazing, and one of them she's she gave me and she signed um, for Bonnie with Love Always and Always Havoc. She always called herself Havoc. And then I found. And then our lovely friend Barry Burnett, who was my agent at one point. Oh look, he said, oh, I've just seen. I found a card, and um, on the it's a card that's got the Show Must Go On on it as well. Oh,
0: this lovely. Funny, all
1: these connections, yeah. which is the charity that. Um, raised loads of money for um, theatre people in the, um, during the pandemic and he uh, we went to America at some point and Gary uh, Barry joined us and I don't really remember this happening but I obviously had tea with June, with Havoc and uh, he's taken some photos and he sent them to me the other day
0: and ah. I've got these photos of me
1: with with Havoc so it's
0: ah, yeah,
1: I should probably have those framed You should. Yeah.
0: Now, Bonnie, when when you were doing Gypsy in in London, you only did a certain amount of performances, didn't you?
1: Yeah, forty performances.
0: Yeah. Now, am I right in thinking when you did it in America, you could do as many as you wanted?
1: Whole year. The only restrictions they had was in Los Angeles, we couldn't stay for the curtain call because you couldn't be in the theatre that long. So, um, in in America, in everywhere except Los Angeles we stayed for the whole show in fact you know i used to do the show um my main performance was uh, the first half an hour of the show and then i'd have the rest of the performance uh, i wasn't involved with but i would stay and go on and take my curtain call at the end and during act 2 i would do my schoolwork my homework in the dressing room <laughs> And I would feed the monkey.
0: <laughs> <Would you?
1: laughs> yeah. There was a monkey in the show and she and I bonded and oh. I would just sit and feed, feed the monkey. I had a normal childhood, Begins. <laughs> My life was normal. <laughs> Don't all children feed monkeys in <laughs> dressing rooms? Of course they do. Lifetime? Of course they
0: do. But, yes, but it's what, normal. What is interesting, I, I find, is... Uh, I, you know that I know Angela Lansbury as a friend and when you when you were given the opportunity to work with her I mean she's such a star she's done so many things were you in awe of her did it did it sort of occur to you that you were this here you were little Bonnie Langford 14 years old were you no
1: I was eight eight and did you were you sort of phased by that at all No, I was never fazed by anything. I was the most boring child on God's earth. But I also, I didn't, I knew, (laughs) I knew she'd been in Bedknobs and Brimsticks and I loved Bedknobs and Brimsticks. But you see, you know what she's like. She is a huge star, but she isn't. She's the most wonderful, kind lady. No, you're right. And completely... Yes, she has this charisma. Yes, you know when she walks in the room. Yes, you do take a... You know, she is one singular sensation. When you walk in the room, you know she's there. But but she's also unbelievably approachable and kind, and she's just a mummy. And so, yes, I... You know, I, I also was brought up in the era of children are seen and not heard, unless they're spoken to, and you don't go and you know i was much more gregarious when i was in america with the american kids because they were much more chatty and jolly and friendly um i was told to just be quiet and talk when you're spoken to and do your job and do the best you can um she had such a huge role at that you know to to uh, you know to, to be part of and she was utterly utterly brilliant but we were included in the company. We weren't separate. It was just the most amazing uh, experience for me and I think gave me the most incredible foundation to my life and career of, of how, to, how to operate in the world in general.
0: Well, I, I, I agree with you because, I mean, I, you, you were absolutely superb in that you really were and absolutely and of course and Angela Lansby who I at that particular moment I didn't know it was only later did I meet her and become friends with her and I, I went to her I think it was her 80th birthday uh, in Los Angeles which was extraordinary I mean there were only 10 of us and the other nine were family I mean it was extra I had a great friend called Bob Kalele do
1: you know Bob Kalele yes I know Bob yes I do know Bob
0: Bob looks looks after her, and I was a friend of his. and He said, uh, "Where I?" I rang him, and he said, "Where you? I? I said, "I'm in LA." He said, "Oh my God, I'm in LA. We're having a party tomorrow for Angela's birthday. You must come." So I took her a, a candle, a, a little in a box. And, you know, she wrote me a note and he said afterwards she was so thrilled with this candle. I mean, it was nothing. But that's the sort of woman she was, wasn't it? She was amazing.
1: Oh, always, always write thank you notes.
0: Yes, She always always wrote
1: handwritten. In fact, I've probably got some of those somewhere in my, because I have loads of stuff in storage, which I should clear out. Yes, I know. But, um, uh, you know, I've gotten so many handwritten notes from her um, and it meant so much. It meant so much. In fact, I know I have a Christmas card somewhere, the last Christmas card. And, um, yes, she was. She is one of those people, you know, for example, when we were on tour and going to different cities, I mean, this role that she was playing was mammoth. And she also had Anthony with her at the time, her son, who was uh, needing to be uh, taken care of quite a lot. So she had a lot on her plate. And um, she was never off, ever, ever. Never complained about anything, just the most glorious lady. And yet, when we would go on trips, for example, when we were in Los Angeles for a while, we did the show there for about six weeks, and she arranged for all of us kids to go with our our parents to Disneyland and have um, tour guides to take us through. I mean, mainly because we needed to do it quickly, because we had to be back in town for the show. (laughs) But also, she paid for us all to go to Disneyland And, um, you know, I'd never been to a theme park. This was the 70s. This was like, wow, what is this place? This is crazy. And she arranged for all that. She paid for it. We all went there. She didn't come with us. The same with, with – um, we, we did a trip up the Rockies and she arranged for refreshments and a picnic to be put on the coach for the whole company. And she came on – before we we went, we were all in this coach going on this day trip, <laughs> and she came on to the coach to say, have a wonderful time. Sorry I can't be with you, but here you go, here's some picnic for you all. And, you know, that kind of thing is – it means so much because it's personal as well and it's thoughtful and it, you know, you, those are the things you remember about people. Those are the things that, that move someone from being, you know, some other bod to being somebody who actually is very present and very personal in your life. And and those touches, the ones that you remember.
0: Absolutely wonderful, wonderful days. Am I right in thinking, Bonnie, that your next production of a musical was Gone with the Wind?
1: No, it was before that. I'd already been in Gone with the Wind. Are you done to go with it so
0: how are, how old were you you gone with the wind then Seven <laughs> you've got to tell the story which I know you know i'm uh, i'm going to watch is <laughs> no coward came to your first night at Drury Lane. Yeah. And, uh so what, what did he say?
1: <laughs> well, it was a musical version of Gone With The Wind, so you can imagine how epic it was, and it was very spectacular. And I think in some respects the the show was ahead of its time because it was mainly sung through, sort of more like sort of Evita then became those sorts of things. So it wasn't the sort of the standard musical... You know, there weren't breaks for everyone to applaud. It was also a very traumatic story. And, um, you know, so... Uh, and in the second i played bonnie butler the daughter of brett butler and Scarlett o'hara in the second act and i had a very cl- crowd-pleasing number you know i was seven i was tiny i was playing five and um uh, it was this fabulous number that i did with brett butler and prissy and it was called little wonders and it was uber cute and the audience absolutely adored it so um uh but also in the first half, of course, there was a lot of trauma and there was a, a huge scene, which was the burning of Atlanta. And they had a whole steam engine on train, a, a steam engine on the on the stage. Uh, they had various dummies and people on stretchers in wars and fighting. And they also had um, a big shire horse and uh, not just a little sort of Shetland pony like you have in Panto. It was a big, <laughs> big shire horse that that used to come in from the Whitbread Brewery, which was round the corner, and be brought on the stage from the sta- the side of the stage. It was at Drury Lane, Theatre Royal Drury Lane. And it, his name was Charlie, the horse. And Charlie was making his debut in the show, and they would bring him. On the first night, he got quite nervous. And during his performance in the first act, he left some steamy packages I call them first night gifts. (laughs) And the stage manager had to run on with a shovel and scoop them up. And the performance continued. As I say, the show was long. It was not perfect. It went on and on and on and on and on. On our our first premiere, we had various notable people, including Princess Anne, who was brought to the theatre in a horse-drawn carriage. It was all very showbiz, red carpet event. And Noel Coward came as well. At the party afterwards, the producer went to Noel Coward and said, Sue, so what did you think of the show? At which point Noel Coward... T- there are two versions of this story, by the way. Noel Coward <laughs> said to the producer, Harold Fielding, Well, you can solve two problems at once. Shove the child up the horse's arse. <laughs> 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 because that would stop... That would get rid of me and it would... Stop the horse from... Yeah. And the other one is... The other one is cut the second act and the child's throat. (laughs) And those are the things that Noel Coward said about me. Uh, uh, uh. When Uh, I was seven years old.
0: Oh, what a bastard.
1: (laughs) Ah, but but you see, the best revenge is doing it. And I'm still doing it.
0: Exactly. Thank goodness (laughs) you're still doing it. Oh, Bonnie, that's fantastic. Now... What have we got next? Can you give us three clues about your second item?
1: Okay. Well, I have a second item. I mean, it's sort of all things... So, this is what I call real life. Um, this is... Uh, well, it's it's also in a frame. So that's a clue. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's things you wear on your feet...
0: Right. Okay. Uh, Is it a pair of stockings? Mm,
1: No. A pair of stockings? No. Uh, Specific things that you wear to do a certain art form.
0: Oh, tap. Tap shoes.
1: Well, less noisy actually and more.
0: Oh, ballet. Ballet shoes. Okay.
1: Yeah. And they're not mine, but they are of my offspring.
0: Your daughters.
1: Yes. So I thought I'd show you. So. Her first little pair of ballet shoes I've framed and. Pre-
0: yeah. Oh. So, yeah. Oh, so fabulous. So, you do have the most fabulous daughter. I mean, she's gorgeous.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you. That means a lot.
0: Well, I tell you, we've seen a lot of her recently because she's been, uh, I, I, as a, a singer and a dancer, she's been to drama school and done everything. She, of course, times have been really bad for young. Artists nowadays, but she's been doing a lot of work since the theaters have been opening in theaters hasn't she
1: yes she so she's yeah she's trained uh, musical theater and she's desperate to do it, but of course she's good because she's you know she understands that you can't just sit around doing nothing she wants to be in you know the swing of things as well, and so she at the moment is working um front of house at various theaters she's always done that throughout her training as well she used to work um at front of house is an usher at Drury Lane, and then at um, the Adelphi Theatre. And at the moment, she's back working at um, the Gillian Lynn Theatre. But during, you know, theatres have been having such a terrible struggle trying to sort of open. And so she's been moving around to all sorts of different theatres because every time somebody tested positive, they had to close the show and then she would be moved to another theatre. So she's been at five theatres, I think, recently. (laughs) She was worried that every time she went to a theatre, she closed the show. So... (laughs) I don't know. But yeah. It was it was really interesting because she's twenty now and she was just sort of coming up her graduation should have been during the pandemic and I think that was so difficult for all young people to at uh, first go, Oh great, I've got time off, I don't have to get up and then go, Oh, I have no framework to my life, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm not allowed out, can't see my friends, can't do anything. And I think it was really, really tough for them all. Um, and at the, at, through sort of the whole sort of lockdown of, of 2020, the the college that she was at was very hands on. She was meant to be doing all her sort of agents auditions and casting directors auditions. And that's the, the launch pad. That's really what you go for is to, is to have that opportunity to connect with people in the industry for them to see you either in your shows or or uh, in audition circumstances and situations, you learn very much on the job and therefore hopefully you get the opportunity to go to auditions or then get into the industry that you desperately want to be into. And they weren't able to do that. And, you can't, you know, it's all very well saying I'll do it all on Zoom and things like that. But it's it's really, really very difficult. And the work wasn't out there. So... um yeah, she, the, her college were amazing and still arranged in September instead of July, arranged for them to actually do all these um, lessons. They were all socially distanced, but they were actually in the room. They then did their production, which they filmed and they put on Zoom, YouTube and all the different uh, media outlets to be able to get them out to, to people. But it's still early days it's it's hard to keep the momentum and to get going so at least by working in a theatre she's in the right environment and she said to me you know I was very very reluctant for her to be in the industry really because it it can be so tough it can be so demoralizing it can be absolutely brilliant but it can be those tough times can be very 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 tough and um she said to me that having had that break and she said this to her the tutors at college she said i actually think the pandemic has been great for me because i she said i haven't really done anything i've taken this time to completely veg out do nothing and see what happens and she said i didn't realize how much i would miss it so she went back to college with renewed vigor knowing that she was doing it because she really wanted and needed to do it rather than because that's what everyone in our family seems to do And to me, that means everything. (laughs) (laughs) I know, but to me, that means everything because there is absolutely no point being in this industry unless you feel you have to do it, because it can, it can, it can be so tough. And there are so many brilliant people, all you know, so many people going for one job. And you know, if you don't really feel you're not a complete person without it, then don't do it. Do something else that's easier.
0: But you are, you are an extraordinary family because, I mean, your, your, your sister, your elder sister, Sharida, who I know, well, I know all your family, but she was started off and she was my leading lady. You are my family. <laughs> uh, well, we're, uh, vice versa, darling. Uh, but the thing was that now that her children are extraordinary. We've got Zizi who's playing Mary Poppins at the moment, uh, and I saw it last week and is brilliant. Uh, doing it, and then her sister Scarlett, she created the role of uh, Mary Poppins, didn't she? No,
1: she took over from Laura Michelle Kelly,
0: but oh, she that's was right. the first I person to take over. I, yes, from the, yeah. that, and then nice. she
1: went to and she went to Broadway with it, and she went to Australia with it as well. So, yeah, Scarlett, Scarlett was Mary for a long time, and then I remember when they were doing the tour here, and uh, Zizi was actually in. I think she was doing Carman, or she was doing something for Matthew Bourne, and he'd said, you should audition, and she asked Scarlett if it was all right. And I thought that was really nice of her to do.
0: Very yeah. nice, very nice. Yeah. And then, of course, summer.
1: Summer. Summer is with the RSC at the moment, isn't she? I think I don't really. I can't keep up with them. I can't keep up with them. Um, and but
0: it is an extraordinary family, isn't
1: it? Well, yes, because you see, you, the, my other sister, Pet, her children—they're quite sort of prolific as well. Um, but they're all the other side of the camera or the or the the footlights. And my my her youngest daughter, my sister's youngest daughter, so her my niece on that side. She's just had a, um, a, a her her first book is about is going to be published next year. So she's just got a book deal here and in America. So she's she's a oh writer. God. And she went to. Yeah, she went to Goldsmiths. Uh, she actually did a master's degree with Alan Davies. Which no, she he no. was studying that as well. And um, yeah, she's just signed her her book deal. So, you know, th- they might not be. As publicly uh, successful. But yeah, I mean, the one thing I think that I really give credit, well, to my sisters, but, you know, but to their children is that we all have this attitude. Yes, we're all, we have been very lucky. You have to have luck in your life to to, to survive, really, don't you? But also, they're grafters. I remember when Sassy, Saskia, my um, Sharida's youngest, she had just. She literally was finishing a tour of the Mousetrap. She was um, playing one of the roles in that. She had been on tour for about nine months, and I saw her at the weekend. And I said, "Oh, you're right. You're going to have a bit of a breather now." And she went, "No, no, no. I'm. I'm going to be. Um, I'm going to be working in a bar, and teaching. <laughs> um, a teaching cycle. You know, this boom cycle or whatever it is. There's a, the Spinning, And uh, and she said, I think I might do some... I'm going to do some dressing on Magic Mike. At which point I said, well, isn't it undressing? <laughs> but um, she... <laughs> so she went... <laughs> so, you know, it was not a case of, oh, I'm, you know, I've been in... Uh, I'm an actress I need to do it. It's no. We have to work. We work for a living. And whether it's, you know, doing something that happens to be in the public eye or not you know there is no such thing as a free a freebie you, you work you you, you work to, to make a living as much as possible and I, I really admire them for that that they don't have this sort of uh, too much of a, a sense of pride it's a case of get out there and do a job and get on with it and do it well
0: well we, we mustn't forget in this conversation uh, my surrogate mother your mother Babette who is who is the extraordinary <laughs> matriarch of the family. I mean, you know, having a dance school, making you all go to it, and she's tough. Uh, she's ruthless. <laughs> she was the gypsy of her time. <laughs> you know...
1: She was, really. I mean, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but when I went to audition for Gypsy, they, as she was outside, obviously, she was a chaperone, <laughs> uh, they asked her if she wanted to audition for Tessie Tura, <laughs> And they said, because we want, we want old... We want sort of aging ex dancers and she didn't quite know how to take it. <laughs> I know. You see, my 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 mother is a brilliant and yet she's this very unassuming woman from, from Twickenham. We call her, she's Mrs. Langford from Twickenham, that's all. But my mother comes from the old school of, of, of treat and me and keep keen and she's she's she was tough. Um and she would survive these days, really. I mean, she does still teach, but um, I don't know. She doesn't teach in the old way. You know, or she teaches in the old way. She doesn't teach in this new way of being kind. She's just blunt. She <laughs> said it like it is. And sometimes that's the best, that, or like she believes it to be. Sometimes that's the best version to be. She will never, ever say you're good. <laughs> never, ever, ever. There is always... Something wrong. Your hair's not right. Your face was wrong. Your leg was bad. You weren't on your legs. That's what she says. That's a good one. I don't think you were on your legs. Well, whose legs were right or not. And, you know, in some... But there is a huge amount of love. There is... She. I find her hilarious now, really, although sometimes she drives me absolutely mad. She's 91. She's still going strong. She's still teaching to a degree. I mean, I don't think she demonstrates as much, although she, you know, she tries to she has She's. she's amazing she was always very much in the background but ultimately the the steel of the rest of us and she's i mean she's she's renowned as well to things like you know i went to see summer was doing um guys and dolls with Ewan and mcgregor and i went round afterwards when i went to see it and said hello to him he was just delightful and gorgeous and uh charismatic and he said oh gosh <laughs> He said, Nanny was in last night. I was terrified. She gave me notes. <laughs> That's Ewan... That's- no, you don't give notes to and McGregor. Oh, my
0: God. Said, but she was right. And,
1: oh, don't. Please don't.
0: Fabulous. But,
1: you know, she's hilarious and terrifying, but... And, and quite, you know, she's, she's quite a force to be reckoned with.
0: Yeah, and look what she's created. Three, a whole family of talent. Fantastic. We'll be back uh, for Bonnie's third and final item after a short break. I've also got something of my own to share with you, so stay with us for just a few more moments. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Show and Tell with Biggins. I'm with my gorgeous friend Bonnie Langford as she takes me through three items that tell a story in her life. But in this podcast, there's always time for something from my personal collection too. So, Bonnie, here are my clues. Bonnie, I'm going to ask you to make some guesses. Now, I'm looking at it now and it is a landmark in my life.
1: A landmark in your life. OK, right, so this is a place. Um, would it be... Is it a, a, a real-life landmark, as in somewhere that you began your life, or is it somewhere where you lived?
0: No. Uh-
1: would it be something to do... OK, oh, gosh, you got to give me more clues than that. Right,
0: it was a landmark birthday
1: oh was it your 50th birthday
0: i think we have to go up a bit
1: yeah would it be one of
0: my 60th okay my 60th
1: okay. birthday 60 60th okay 60th birthday would this be photograph of people at a party
0: well it, it's not i it's i tell you what it is um you're, you're nearly there uh, Paul uh, Macbeth, who you know, I know, did this marvellous framed thing of... A, oh, a yes. And it's uh, all various things. It's got a... Hold it down a it's bit. It's got a a, a six o.
1: Uh, oh, I'd have never got that. You
0: know, I mean, it's, 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 it was wonderful because we had this wonderful party uh, in uh, the Landmark Hotel.
1: Yay! Yes, I came along. Of course
0: you did. Yeah, that's right. Of course you did.
1: I remember it. I had to come afterwards. I was doing something and I had to come afterwards. I arrived very late.
0: Well, you must have been doing a show.
1: I must have been. I can't remember what I was doing. Oh, well, I, I arrived late.
0: I was doing a pantomime in Southampton, if that's any clues of what you might have been doing.
1: Mm, don't know. Maybe I was doing a pantomime too.
0: Yeah, it probably was. But anyway, it was a great party, wasn't it? Even though I say it myself. It was a
1: fantastic party. It was a fantastic party full of everybody and anybody you would know.
0: And it was it was my closest 400 friends. Did
1: David Badella sing? You
0: did. David Badella did sing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> See, I remember, I remember. Yeah,
0: he was and also I had I had the the girl who uh from Birmingham who was the um Shirley Bassey lookalike. And she came out singing unaccompanied uh, the, the song, Let the Party Begin, let let, let let Start This Party, rather. I think that was, that was the song. And get, every, get the party started. Let, get the party started. Mm-hmm. And everybody thought it was the real Shirley Bassey. I mean, everyone, mm-hmm. including... Yeah, Shirley, I remember that. It was extraordinary. And it was a wonderful, wonderful evening. Um, and I remember vividly you, you coming in, I mean, because it, it was just lovely to be with all our friends. It was marvellous.
1: That's it, you see. I mean, a lot of people say, oh, shubers parties and all that kind of thing. They're just parties with people who do the same, same job. So actually, I find that mixing with people of my industry is much, you know, as much as I, you know, I, I, I think it's just easier to be with like-minded people because then you don't actually talk shop. When you're in a situation when you're with people who don't understand your industry, quite often you have to talk shop because they think it's all so glamorous and marvellous. But when you're at parties, it's just with friends. It's with friends who've been there, done it and bought the T-shirt and we can just have fun. And I love... Oh, your parties are always amazing. I, th- I remember coming to your 30th birthday party and that was near Tower Bridge somewhere.
0: No, I tell you, I tell you it was my 30, 35th.
1: Oh, was it? Oh,
0: it was three score years and three. Uh, it, it was thirty-five, and that was a lovely party, wasn't it?
1: Mm. Yeah, it was. It was near All Hallows. I thought it was near All Hallows.
0: That's right. That's right. That's right. It was in fact part of. Uh, yeah, it, it was extraordinary. Um, and now I, I, I forget about that party, but it was a great party. That. And did you come to my fiftieth? Which was I think you did, didn't you? My fiftieth probably where was that that was in uh, a place uh, a, a, a restaurant in Kensington I can't remember what the, name of the restaurant was now but I'm sure yes. you were there uh,
1: Knightsbridge it was Knightsbridge. in Knightsbridge it was in Knightsbridge that's right and and we oh, are that was gorgeous but I remember coming in and Joan Collins followed me yes and I went because <laughs> I with joan i I, not that long before i'd been in a noel coward presents thing that was on television that we'd done and we'd done this this play a little a little noel coward play on tv and she had to be my older sister in it um and she had to be she had to have these false teeth and gray hair and look really awful she was fantastic in it and we had this fantastic you know we we did this play and so she arrived just after i did at your party and I I, 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 she sort of walked in and stood behind me, and I, and sort of stared at me really weirdly. And I said, "Um, hello, Joan. It's, it's Bonnie, uh, Bonnie Langford. I, I, we did a play together." She went, "I know who you are." <laughs> I went, "Of course I do." And then went away. And I went, "Oh, sorry. I just thought. I don't want to assume. I, went, I know who you are. Of I do. Oh, okay. Thanks, Joan. Okay. Bye then." put it you in your place that's hilarious it's like <laughs> was like but it was I didn't want to assume anything and then, hello oh
0: <laughs> like God, said, that's, don't be that's, so meek that's yeah. so funny it's very Joan now we're coming towards the end and we've got one last item from you your third and final item can you give me some clues
1: well okay well, I'll give you a clue. It's not a. It's not in a frame. Um, it is a, a mem- memory.
0: Right. That's a clue. Ha ha. Is it to do with cats? Yes. 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 And is it something that was given to you on on cats?
1: On the opening night. Uh, did Gillian Lynn give it to you? Yes. Uh, ah,
0: right. Yes. <laughs> uh, so what
1: it is is actually a. It's a saucer. Because, you know, a saucer of milk. Oh, wonderful. It's a saucer of milk that she, she had an artist, I think, make these little sort of dishes. And it says, Cat's 1981, and it's got a little sort of nose and, uh, well, it could be a cross between a paw and, a, and whiskers. And it says on it, underneath, love, Jilly. So, and it's funny, because I, I was saying, it was saying about BB, my daughter, working, um, at the moment, she's working out front at the, what is now the Gillian Lynn Theatre. And um, a few, well, a couple of years ago now, I guess, uh, they renamed the new London Theatre, the Gillian Lynn Theatre. And I went there the other day, and uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber has, he's uh, refurbished it so beautifully, it, does look wonderful now and there are photographs all over the place in all the different sort of stairwells and um in the bars and in the, the various areas that are these gorgeous pictures of of Jilly um, some I've never seen before and to think that her that theatre is now named after her and was named after her while she was still with us um did you go to the to the, the renaming of the theater the naming of cats <laughs> the renaming of the Gillian Lynn
0: No I couldn't go I was invited but I couldn't go
1: it, it was it was really really moving really moving because I didn't realize that Gilly was quite as poorly as she was but she was there, oh my goodness, she was there. And uh, it was quite peculiar because we all were um, in the foyers and the bars and just chatting to people and Jilly wasn't there. And then they asked us all to go into the auditorium and there were a couple of hundred people, that was all, which doesn't look a lot in a theatre like that. And we were all sort of gathered wondering what was going on and then the lights all went out and this show began and some people came on dressed as as cats and did some of the choreography and and then the curtain went up and there was Jilly in one of the huge sedan chairs from Phantom with these gorgeous boys with you know only with their topless with their just their, their big baggy pants on and and with fans, fanning her, and Jilly was sitting on this sedan chair. And I have never seen anybody glow from the inside out. She was in she was in seventh heaven. She really was. And um they carried her on to the Phantom Masquerade yeah. music. I and mean, it was the cantest <laughs> thing ever. It was the the, the cantest thing I, I've ever seen and huge and wonderful and hugely emotional at the same time. Because you knew it was her last
0: performance
1: entrance. Yes, mm.
0: well, yeah. wonderful.
1: And so it was in- incredibly moving. And so, and I've got this little dish that has always come with me wherever I go, wherever I live. And Jilly's saucer of milk uh, is there from reminding me of being original cast Rumpel teaser, of that crazy show that still goes on
0: and on and on and on.
1: Yeah, forever and always, yeah. Now now, now, and forever, isn't it? Yeah. yeah.
0: Now, Bonnie, w- would you like to have a theatre named after you?
1: Not at the moment, no. <laughs> <laughs> Bond's burlesque box or something, I don't know. Oh, I don't know.
0: No, the, the, the Bonnie Langford Theatre, I can see it now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about that. Well, only if it meant that there was live theatre carrying on and that people could go there and laugh and cry and feel and enjoy and that, that talent was continuing and that our wonderful industry was still alive and kicking. That would be the only reason, but it's not something I've ever thought about. But to, to, have, to have somewhere that people go to to escape the madness of the world and enjoy themselves, then that would be a, a true honour, wouldn't it?
0: Well, Bonnie, you are a true honour. You've been absolutely oh. marvellous this afternoon. I've loved you since you were a little girl. And I love you still. Little girl, day.
1: yeah. <laughs> and I've loved you since you were my mum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Aladdin.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you just so
0: funny. Oh, Aladdin,
1: you were, yes, yes. you were my mum in twice, Aladdin. Too. And then, oh, don't. And some of the things we have been through, you oh. and me. Goodness. i have laughed and <laughs> la- laughed and cried with you yeah. and still and i hope to do so for a lot longer please we, thank
0: you we very will much. Bonnie. we will yeah
1: make many more memories
0: yes love you lots
1: and you love you darling
0: thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show and tell podcast if you want to hear more conversations like this one make sure you follow show and tell with biggins on the podcast provider of your choice And if you'd be so kind as to tell your friends about the podcast, I'd be ever so grateful. You can also follow us on social media where it begins
1: podcast. Goodbye.